In the next 60 minutes here on Newsnight, spotlight on NDC MPs with the party's order for them to stay in parliament at all costs coming into effect. So were all 136 NDC MPs in parliament today in full compliance? The members on the floor, because there are a lot of committee hearings going on and some other engagements. Some people, I'm sure, are in the constituencies campaigning. Some of them are from far away. It takes about a day to travel to their constituencies. Uh, we'll hear from our correspondent and speak to the party also tonight. Minority and majority MPs go at each other hard as a debate President Akufado's State of the Nation address. Mr. President made an honest assessment of our country's situation. There were fatal omissions in the President's delivery yesterday. Very fatal omissions. The nation would have comatose if NDC were in power and that we experienced the COVID-19. Stay with us for details. Also tonight, MPA is backing President Kofado's claim that the Gold for Oil deal will soon bring huge relief to petroleum consumers. That is, insist the current reduction of the pumps is a result of the 152,000 metric tons of the last consignment received under the deal. Price reductions are not just because of the world market drop. The world market drop for petrol was quite minimal, but we have seen a, a, a huge drop than what we expected from our analysis. And in business, Ghana Revenue Authority exceed tax collections target for the first two months of 2023 has remained optimistic of hitting the full-year projection. And in sports, George Wallacott and Joseph Pinto return as Christine names Black Star squad for Angola qualifier. We hear from coach Nanajiman who believes the team is good enough for the game. And have you wondered what Abrochre or Abrochi really means? The slaves were taken across the Atlantic, and those slaves never come back. And our people start calling those from outside, they are from Abluchi, meaning Oblo, Ovachi, meaning they have deceived them. Well, in Nagana Man series, we'll tell you more on that key question. You want to stay with us for that here on Newsnight. I will tell you why the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice is fighting the anti-gay bill asking by Parliament not to pass the law, describing it as unconstitutional and that it will put the nation against the international community. More on that later here on News Night. But I want to start in Parliament and it's been the first full day since the opposition National Democratic Congress issued a stern order to all its members of Parliament to suspend their campaigns and abandon all foreign trips and return to the House in what they term operation Save Our Democracy. Today there has been a lot of focus on the NDC MPs gauging their adherence to the party's strict order to stay in the House at all costs 
as they anticipate the laying of the controversial constitutional instrument that will make the Ghana card the sole identity document for voter registration. As we are learning, not all NDC MPs were in the House. My colleague, parliamentary correspondent Kweku Asante, is joining me with more on this. Kweku, yesterday, um, when we spoke to some of the MPs, they were very upbeat, determined to fully comply. When we are on break, we can work in our constituencies. Currently, we have serious businesses on the floor. Uh, as a whip, I'm struggling to whip my colleagues to be in the chamber and to prosecute government business. Um, uh, the way to do it is to make uh, it, it uh, easier for colleagues to stay in the chamber. The party feel the way to do it is to stop some of the disturbances in their backyard so that they can fo- focus on the, the work here. We call it what? Operation Save Democracy. Hmm? So... Our democracy is under threat with uh, an electoral commission that is rogue, that has gone rogue. And an electoral commissioner who has become a thin god and thinks that she's the best thing to happen to Ghanaians since Ben's bread. And who thinks that she can run riots in this country and do whatever she wants because she has the blessings of, of a president who is ruling like a despot. But parliament remains the last bastion of democracy. And the minority in parliament remains the last hope in that bastion of democracy. And so we are going to sacrifice our campaigns as members of parliament for our re-election in our party to ensure that there is actually a democracy come 2024. I was out of the country. I was someone back. I am back. I cut short my trip. I am back. And I'm coming to be in this chamber to ensure that whatever it takes, hell or high water, we will bring the electoral commission and the commissioners from their high horses and give them an education in the chamber of parliament. It's, it's, I, I believe strongly that it's because of the CI. Um, remember that we need the numbers. Remember also that the ministerial nominees, uh, remember the appointments committee report is outstanding. Uh, we have to take a vote on them. Uh, we have taken a decision that the president must cut down and, and that's one of the that was yesterday. Many of these MPs were vehement. They will be full adherence. But today, we're getting confirmation from some of the NDC MPs that some of their colleagues may still be in their constituencies and not back in Parliament yet. Indeed, Evans, at a time sitting started today, there were little around 60 NDC MPs on the floor as against the at least 136 that would have been expected. Yesterday, almost all of them were in the chamber. And so most of them were expected to be. I want to put that question to some of their colleagues. First, Roxanne Nelson and McCourt claims that these NDC MPs who were not on the floor may be in committee meetings and other engagements in and around Parliament. But for someone like Tamil's MP for KEA, it appears some NDC MPs may have gone back to the constituency to campaign because despite the party making that directive, they may still be opponents of this who are campaigning against them. And so they may have gone back there to try and calm the water. Compliance. The people who are supposed to comply are those who are contesting MPs. They are on the field running amok. It is the contestants who are to comply. We are already here. We are complying. You may not see the members on the floor because there are a lot of committee hearings going on. People have made quite a lot of investment in this, uh, what do you call it, in this seat. And you will sit down for somebody who hasn't spent a penny in the constituency, who has kept all his money, he comes in for maybe about three or four uh, weeks, spends quite a lot, and then people fall for it. You know, so some people, I mean, we all have our ideas on what to do. 
some people I'm sure are in the constituencies campaigning. Some of them are from far away. It takes about a day to travel to their constituencies. So why should they sit here and then lose their seats whilst other people are trying to take it away from them? And let's bring in the Deputy General Secretary of the Position National Democratic Congress, Mustafa Gbande there. Mustafa, thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Thank you very much, Evan. You just said one of your MPs just make the point. Now, why should we sit here whilst others are trying to take our seats? What do you say to that? Well, I think that basically um, the MP should be at peace because one is a national call. It's a call to duty. And this call is a national directive. What it means is that um, we are not protecting the MPs minus the aspirants, but we are creating an environment where the MPs can do their work. And anyone who flout the directive, going to muddy waters for the MPs while they are on the national call, is violating um, a national directive which, you know, finds itself within Article 46 of the Constitution of the NDC. And it means that such persons would have to face the rigors of the law, as far as the party is concerned. Uh, Mustafa, yesterday the statement I read, the reference, as far as the order was concerned, was directed at the members of parliament, the sitting members of parliament, not the uh, those not in parliament who seek to get them out. So isn't that a free pass for anybody no, the, else? The letter contest? spoke in two ways. One, asking sitting members of parliament to station themselves to Parliament and to work. Two, suspension of campaign activities in those constituencies where we have certain members of Parliament. What it means is that the MP cannot go and campaign because he has to be doing the work of Parliament. And no one would be allowed to campaign in that constituency in order to unseat the member of Parliament or contesting to be a member of Parliament in those particular constituencies. Anything contrary to this is a breach of the directive, and such persons will be punished. So non-MP aspirants can or cannot also be found in the constituencies campaigning? We haven't mentioned non-MP... No, no, no. Non-MP, non-MP aspirants cannot yes. also go to constituencies where we have sitting MPs to campaign either to be members of parliament or to campaign as aspirants campaign activities in those constituencies have been suspended until further notice. You mentioned- it is only in constituencies where we don't have sitting members of parliament that people can proceed on their contest. It means that there's a balanced platform for everybody to campaign. An MP cannot be sitting in parliament doing the work of the party in Ghana when people are seeking to remove them. The directive protects all these people and creates a balance so that when we lift the ban, everybody can go and campaign. How are you monitoring and enforcing this? This is this is a huge task. This is what two hundred and seventy constituencies, seventy-five constituencies across the country. It is very easy because this letter is directed at constituency chairman and regional executive. So, if you are caught in a constituency doing that, a letter will be written, and then within the constitution of the party under article 46 we will find where your conduct can situate and then you'll be punished 
Uh, and I mentioned to one of you, this is 137 of the NDC uh, health constituencies that is affected by this. And you say it is the constituency chairman's responsibility to monitor and enforce. The, the executive committee of a constituency is supposed to enforce these directives to the letter. If you find anybody doing so, and anybody whose conduct is found flouting this directive will be sanctioned, and the person's conduct will be referred to the regional executive committee for further inquiry. And then we'll take it up from there. For Don't the forget that you can be suspended for flouting the rules. You can also be punished in other ways to be prevented from contesting an election for flouting these rules, because we need members of parliament for a very important assignment, an assignment that borders on national responsibility to save the democracy of Ghana. You specified sanctions. Does these, uh, these sanctions you've mentioned, do they also apply to the MPs who may violate it as well, uh, leave parliament, not return, and, and, and would they also suffer the same fate? The directive speaks to members of parliament, potential contestants in constituencies where they are sitting members of parliament. If an MP refused to attend to parliament upon this directive, he or she will be sanctioned. Once the party receives a complaint from parliament, such a person will be sanctioned. No single person is in the party is above the law. Each of us is subjected to the law of the constitution, the constitution of the NDC, and that, for that matter, any conduct that find itself offending a directive, offending the constitution of the party, will apply the law to the latter. You've mentioned a few specific sanctions. One, suspension. Two, disqualification from the entire contest. And could they also face an outright uh, what, ex expulsion from the party? So, so this directive is in furtherance of the election guidelines 2023. And when you flout the directive of the election guidelines is in itself a misconduct. It can find itself appropriately under Article 46 of the Constitution of the NDC. And there are sanctions clearly there that will be applied when your conduct has been examined and it is found that there are evidence that you have committed something that offends a directive of the Constitution of the party who apply it as it is. Let me ask you then, Mustafa, the two members of parliament we spoke to, I'm, I'm pretty sure you had them, both of them confirmed that as of today, uh, not all your 136 and minus that one which is still in contest were in the house and they consider some of them are still in their constituency attempting to return, etc. For those who are not in the house today, because today they, if they, the directive takes full effect, have they violated the, the, the order and will they be sanctioned? Well, I think that the directive came out just yesterday. Number two, I also believe that um, there are important businesses of parliament that these member of, members of parliament to be called to. They know how they conduct their business. The issues of parliament is an issue on its own. They understand their rules. They know how the game is played. We are to just ensure that our members of parliament can be found as and when they are called. There's a leadership of the party in parliament who will ensure that after when they are needed they will call their police and i'm sure that they will avail it themselves so i'm not too sure that the absence of one or two constitute a violation of the directive it is just too you know early in time to get to that conclusion 
unless, of course, a member refused to attend to an important business of parliament for which his services is needed. Then we can have a conversation about violation. But as of now, it is too premature. Uh, Musafa Bande, thank you very much. Uh, civil Society Organization, Odikro, they've been on a campaign for a while monitoring uh, MPs attendance in Parliament and with many complaints over the years as they record the attendance that has been pretty shambolic for, for a long time. Well, now, a, a main opposition political party has issued an order expecting all of their MPs to stay in the House uh, for a period under uh, what they call the uh, a campaign to save the democracy. I wonder what they make of this. Nehemiah Atega is a principal lead at Odikro Joyce's on the telephone line right now. Uh, Nehemiah, so this is the NDC taking action. Um, rarely have we seen this sort of intervention by the party for this uh, period of time. What's your reaction? Uh, well, everyone, this is, this is an interesting um, action or intervention. Uh, and I, I, it, it seems like they are trying to limit the MPs' ability to carry out their representational mandate. And because remember that apart from, apart from um, the legislative mandate and also the oversight of the executive, there's also a representational mandate. And with that, you need to engage with your constituents and to ensure that you can get your grievances and and come back to parliament and discuss or even engage them on policies and bills and things like that so whether you're having question times or town hall meetings you, you are trying to make sure you understand what is going on in your constituency so if you are asked not to go to your constituency anymore and or engage with your questions directly um then maybe there's, there's also some limiting factor in in this case. But at least but, they, they get to they get to do their primary job of sitting in the house. Something that you've been monitoring, with yes. you know, with very sometimes uh, disheartening outcomes. Yes, um, and, and that that's the truth um, because we know that MPs may sometimes have excuses of attending to constituency duties, and that's they use that as diversionary tactics just to hide behind the fact that they're using the public office for some sort of private gain or something. And so in this case, we, this will ensure that they are in the house and they will then be able to deliberate on anything that comes to the floor or even work in, in committees as required. Anaymaya, thank you very much. And I'll stay in Parliament a while longer because today the members of Parliament began debating the President's State of the Nation address. Listen to Alexander Fenyomarkin, who is a Deputy Majority Leader, taking on the NDC MPs, insisting that they simply do not have any factual opposition to the message delivered by the President. Mr. President made an honest assessment of our country's situation and sought for the support of all in addressing it with hope and confidence. Mr. Speaker, he dutifully did so, but by coming out with all the facts regarding the state of the economy as he met it and the effort made by his government so far and the future we have ahead of us. But Mr. Speaker, the only thing they've been, sound, they've been clear and unambiguous on is Article 71. The only thing they seem to be clear is a populist slogan of dealing with Article 71. And even so, Mr. Speaker, they are under the impression that it is only the executive that benefits from Article 71. Mr. Speaker, they have forgotten 
that Article 71 has to do with the judiciary and other arms of government and not only the executive. And even so, by the imperatives of Article 290, it is not just a mere presidential or executive fiat that will take away Article 71. It requires a referendum which will come at a cost. Notong MP Samokujuta Blakwa says it appears the president lives in a bubble. There were fatal omissions in the president's delivery yesterday. Very fatal omissions. One of those fatal omissions is the fact that as commander-in-chief of the Ghana Armed Forces, only the previous day, Tuesday, there was a major development. The good people of Ashima had come under attack. And let me add that as commander-in-chief, he should first of all have commiserated with the family and with the Ghana Armed Forces on the loss of the soldiers. The president did not say a word. Mothers are worried. They are frightened that we don't have essential vaccines. We expected the president to issue specific instructions and to provide measurable outcomes. Tell us specifically when will these vaccines be provided? All the president did was to beat around the bush and be talking about, uh, yeah, we know it's an emergency. Parliamentary correspondent uh, Kweku joins us now. Uh, Kweku, and from what I am reading and, and listening to the economy, I understand, was mainly the focus for many of the MPs who stood up to speak. Indeed, yesterday when the president spoke, he himself did restrict himself to mainly matters having to do with the economy. And so the MPs who took time to speak today to the statement the president made also restricted themselves largely to that. We have from the Deputy Finance Minister, John Kumar, who said that the claims by the NDC that the economy is still in some comatose of a sort is not accurate. And that indeed, if there's anything at all, the study shows that the economy is still very resilient. Peter, let me put on record that the only time in the history of our country that Ghana has been sanctioned by the World Bank was in 2001 when the NDC, the previous NDC government, lied by data to the World Bank and were fined $40 million in 2001 listen, listen. by the NDC government, Mr. Mr. Speaker. So when they tell us we have put free, uh, data to the World Bank, There's they should show us the sanctions that came along with it. And they hold that record. Mr. Speaker, my colleagues on the other side have also spoken wrongfully about the strength of our currency and compare the Ghana CD. They said we should, uh, when COVID came, we should compare the Ghana CD with other countries. And they have mentioned countries like Cote d'Ivoire, Senegal, Togo, Mali. Mr. Speaker, all the countries my friend mentioned, they use the safer. Quick, what was the response to this from the minority side? So, Deputy Ranking Member of the Finance Committee, Isaac Adongo, who actually today spoke from the dispatch box, sought to control to some of the arguments that have been made by the government side regarding the economy. He disputed President Zekufadu's claim that he has not borrowed recklessly. The same period that His Excellency John Dramani Mahana ran this economy, in 2016, he invested 3.4% of the total GDP on infrastructure. So when we call John Mahama the king of infrastructure, that is the evidence that people know. Unlike you, who will come and say you have constructed kilometers of roads without mentioning those roads, John Muhammad will mention a hospital just here at the bridge. We have to borrow to pay statutory funds 
we have to borrow to pay for goods and services. We have to borrow to pay for uh, uh, infrastructure. Mr. Speaker, who manages an economy like this? Where everything... So when the president was flying with the private jet, he was borrowing. In fact, if the president was leaving the Flagstaff House to come to Parliament, he had to borrow to pay for fuel. This is the kind of economy that you run for us. You run this economy into crisis because you did not know that in managing an economy, you must manage fiscal sustainability, which you didn't know. But Mr. Speaker, even then, the president tried so hard to demonstrate that he has built uh, 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 factories and that the industrialization has never been seen before. My children, who are almost about finishing university, came to meet Casapra. How can you go and paint Casapra for factories and name it one, one district, one factory? A platform to campaign and promise the people of Ghana that you deliver one district, one factory. How is that the responsibility of the private sector? Was the private sector with you on the campaign platform when you were telling the people of Borga that they should vote for you to give them a factory? Well, let's talk about uh, prices of petrol and diesel mainly at the pumps because the National Petroleum Authority is tonight backing President Akufado's claims the Gulf for Oil deal will soon bring huge relief to petroleum consumers. The bulk oil storage and transportation company boss last month took delivery of 152,000 metric tons of fuel under the Gold for Oil deal. Prices at the pumps have reduced from uh, 14 CDs, 50 uh, pesos. That's uh, on February 16 to 13 cities, 80 uh, pesos in March, uh, on March 1st this year. Last month, the managing director of Bost, Edwin Provencal, said consumers should this time expect to feel the impact of, uh, of the Gulf for Oil uh, deal in their pockets. Yesterday, delivering the State of the Nation address, uh, President Akufado said he expects the Gulf for Oil deal to improve prices of the pumps in the coming weeks. I know that the increasing cost of living is the number one concern for all of us. Government is working to secure reliable and regular sources of affordable petroleum products for the Ghanaian market. It is expected that this arrangement, when successful, coupled with a stable currency, will halt the escalation of fuel prices and bring relief to us all. Well, Head of Economic Regulation at the National Petroleum Authority, Abbas Tasunti, said the current drop in prices at the pumps is largely a result of the go for oil deal. Uh, we'll hear from him pretty shortly. Uh, we'll also uh, take the thoughts of the Institute of Energy Security, uh, Fritz, uh, Fritz Moses, on the developments uh, with the uh, price drop that we've seen at the pumps uh, coming in. Uh, if you've noticed, if you are one of those who consume it, uh, you would have noticed the prices dropping from 14 CDs to uh, 50 pesos in uh, uh, February 16 to 13 CDs, 80 uh, pesos as of uh, March 1st. Um, we'll get our thoughts of the NPA uh, for you pretty shortly uh, on this matter. I want to stay with us. George Face joining me with details uh, from the world of business. Uh, we'll hear from NPA pretty shortly on the George. What do you have in the headlines? Well, events coming up in business. Ghana Revenue Authority exceeds tax target uh, for the first two months of 2023 as it remains optimistic of hitting the full year projection. And Ghana loses almost $2 billion every year 
from food losses as well as post-harvest shortage issues or storage issues, sorry, when it comes to how we've handled our foodstuffs that we harvested from our farms. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Alliance Life and Ghana Pay. Every morning you the tear calls the brows something they day God the way town make hot I grow best one if it be you where you get Vodafone one Ghana promo them out 20 minutes talk time to call all networks where you start get data one gig from 5 a.m. to 1159 a.m. Bye. Anka you go do pass me self Anka you dial star 530 hash make we enjoy you go feel subscribe as many times as you want yes plantain yo sweet ama take this by Vodafone one Ghana bundle moku vibe plus video calls and taste you catch the vibe early morning 5 a.m. sharp Vodafone further together he's here he's here Oh, you man, look at you, all grown up, innit? So good to see you, fam. I miss you so much. So good to be back home, bruv, innit? I can see a lot has changed, mate. Home sweet home, innit? Sit down and let me serve you something delicious. The food is looking good, fam. Of course, some things never change. Just like how Gino Tomato Mist still gives my food that rich color and unique natural mm. taste every time. Hey, sister. Just like I remember. Inquire, inquire. Jolof Nidia. Jaika. Ayet Dankasankasa. This advert is FDA approved. You welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Let's now settle for the details. The Ghana Revenue Authority has exceeded the tax target for the first two months of this year. The authority pecks collections ending February at 13.3 billion Ghana cities, representing more than 5% of the projected target for that period. Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amishadai Osuama, indicated that this shows that they could be on track to hit the end of year target for 2023. He has been speaking on a yet to be aired interview on PM Express Business Edition at 9 p.m. tonight on Joy News. We believe that a number of the initiatives that we are working on is going to, to um, uh, help us. So if you look at the year-on-year increase for the two months, it's 52% year-on-year increase. The target for this year is 40% year-on-year increase. So if in the first two months we are able to do 52% year-on-year compared to, in other words, we are looking at January, February 2023 compared to January, February 2022, the increase that has been uh, we have achieved so far is 52 percent mm. and therefore we are confident that if we can maintain the same momentum then we can end the year uh, is early days yet anyway and there are a number of factors that we know can come through now to me just, just answer your question about yeah are they too low yeah yeah uh, definitely if you look at the kind of increase Stretch that uh, it is quite <laughs> yeah stretching um but there are a number of uh, um, structural changes that we have to continue doing. And if we're able to put all these structural changes that we have initiated through, then we know that we'll be able to get to the 
um, the 25%, the 20%, or the 18% that's the GDP ratios that we are all looking for. I mean, in your submission, Ella, you spoke about ELEV. You're not getting into specifics. I mean, how is it doing in terms of collections? Yeah, I think that is doing quite well. Um, I, if you, December of 2022, uh, the total ELEV that was collected was 103 uh, million cities for the month only. Yeah. And in January, what was collected was 87 million um, CDs. Now, if you look mathematically at a reduction of from 1.5 to 1, that is like a, a 50% reduction. So if you are looking at it, um, all things being equal, then you will expect that from 100 million, we should go to, let's say, um, say 75. Do you understand me? If I'm working the mathematics. Yeah, yeah. But then we ended January at 87 which shows that even though there's a bit of reduction as a result of the change in the applicable rates, mm. there is also some sort of increase in the usage yeah. and therefore yeah. matching up for the reduction. And that is the Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amishada Wusuamwa, speaking on a yet-to-be-heard interview on PM Express Business Edition. As you look at the 2023 revenue target, can the Ghana Revenue Authority hit the target for this year? What are some of the challenges the authorities face? And what about the recent development? And some have also criticized them on the approach in the collection of revenue. We'll be getting more details tonight on PM Express. Now, former Minister of Finance, Sir Tekbe, has maintained that there are the necessary structures and measures in place that should check any government when it comes to borrowing. His comments is coming on the back of concerns that the country has not put in place the right laws and structures to check over borrowing as the country's debt is now described as unsustainable. Stepe has been given a presentation on the issue. Three most important laws which we need to, when it comes to whether we're talking deficit, we're talking fiscal balance, we're talking debt management, are the Public Financial Management Act, which is comprehensive. It calls for the setting up of a debt management office. That is converting, just as IRS and SEPs were taken from the core civil service, converting it midway, like the controller and accountant general, which are autonomous, under the, which is autonomous under the Ministry of Finance. So, and then the Budget Responsibility Act, which actually is part, only quantifies aspects of the uh, Public Financial Management Act, and then the Petrol Revenue Management Act. And Sertekwe is the former Minister of Finance uh, speaking at an economic dialogue on the debt exchange program, IMF program, as well as looking at the economic prospects for the country. To other stories, the Ghana city is still doing well against the U.S. dollar on the interbank market. For more than three weeks now, the rate of depreciation against the dollar since the beginning of February last month has slowed significantly. Well, some of the bank treasurers have told Joy Business that it can be linked to improved dollar inflows from the Bank of Ghana as well as limited pressure on our reserves due to the debt exchange program. Well, on the market, you need about 12 Ghana cities, 60 pesos to get a dollar from the commercial banks. This is based on the average rates that they are offering when it comes to 
transactions. The value of food losses and waste in Ghana is estimated at $1.9 billion every year. That's according to a study conducted by the Dutch Embassy. The report reveals serious post-harvest losses when it comes to tomatoes, yam, mango, citrus and chilies. Now speaking on the sidelines of the seminar organized by the Dutch Embassy, lead researcher on the study, Dan Akwe revealed that yam topped the chart with $560 million loss per year. After the research, then we realized that if you take tomato, yam, mango, citrus, and chilies, with the areas that we performed the analysis, the food loss was about $1.9 billion per annum. The commonest or the highest one was yam, and we're surprised that the food loss of yam was over $560 million per annum. The post-service loss of yam alone, mango was over $300 million. And if you take tomatoes alone in greater Accra region, not the whole country, post-service loss of tomato was estimated at over $60 million per annum. Executive Director of Agric Impact, Dan Akwe. Now, oil exploration firm Tali says it has witnessed some significant improvement in the time taken to process and extract crude oil from the Jubilee field. It's coming after it took ownership of the Jubilee FPSO in July last year for MODEC. According to Talu, the average time is now pegged at 99%. Rahul Deer is the group chief executive and he has been speaking from London. We transferred the operations and maintenance of the FPSO at Jubilee, which is our most priced priced asset, uh, from an external contractor to our operating team. And the results have been immediate. We've seen safety, reliability, performance has remained very strong, and the operating costs, running costs have come down. Richard talked about that a little bit in his uh, section as well. Uh, we've also seen, so that's the kind of output piece, but we've also seen some improvement in key operational inputs. You look at things like maintenance backlog, uh, you look at the contract counts, you look at local participation in contracting. So all of this kind of makes the uptime and the cost enhancements much more sustainable uh, in the long term. This O&M trans- uh, transformation, as we call it, is a major step in supporting our vision of becoming a really a leading low-cost uh, operator. But what I find very energizing is really the change that we see in the morale the attitude, the ownership of the operating team. And that's really translated into some visible improvements in uh, the control of work and the housekeeping at the FPSO, the orderliness, and also just a kind of overall general positivity uh, on, the, on the facility. Rahudia is the group chief executive of Talu Oil, speaking from London to the stock market. If you're a shareholder in Carbank, the value of each share that you're holding was down by a peso and it's not worth 50 pesos to MTN. It was up by two pesos to close at 95 pesos. And that of Total Energies was up by 55 pesos to close at six Ghana cities, uh, five pesos. And even tonight on PM Express, we're talking about revenue mobilization in times like this. How are we going to hit the target and what role is the Ghana Revenue Authority playing? We are engaging the Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amisha Dawusamwa at 9 p.m. on Joy News Channel and all the social media platforms events. It's all about revenues. Yeah. And remember that uh, we still haven't finalized up the prior action. Yeah. And now it boils down to the revenue uh, measures and bills mm. before parliament yeah. that are still not yeah. been passed. And even the interesting thing the Commissioner General is saying that for the first two months of this year, they've exceeded their target by more than 5%. 
So if the trend should continue, and even as one critical thing is that the first quarter, it's, it's more of a slowdown. And normally you're not expected to do that well. So if this trend should continue, maybe some good news when it comes to revenue. Catch George at 9 p.m. on the Joy News Channel. Hey, see the plenty money you are carrying this early morning. Charlie, you do what? As for you, you wait and listen to all the information before you start carrying money up and down like we are in 1995. The eleven year, it has come. But you know, MTN will always find a way to sort you out. Ah, sort me out, Jesse. Oh, so you don't know that when you transfer money between your personal accounts, cash in and cash out at agent points, buy airtime or data, pay bills, receive remittance from abroad, or even pay taxes, there are no e-levy charges? Hey, we are sure. Listen, there are a number of transactions you can perform with your MTM Momo that are not affected by the e-levy tax rule. Hmm. And there's even more, cra. Remember your first 100 Ghana CD transfer for the day is free too. Hey, not me anymore. <laughs> now, dear, you know. There are a number of transactions you can perform with your MTN Momo that are not affected by the e-levy tax. So keep enjoying the security and convenience with MTN Momo and make payments on the go with MTN Momo. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase K and USD campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101764209 or 7627792 visit our website www.kingdomgh.com Keys what could be simpler than a key who doesn't have a key? A car key, an office key, a draw key. But there's one key that rules them all. The house key. The key to a place we call home. The key to the home where everything comes together. The key to a home that is our own. A home where we make life happen with our families and loved ones. Adoha has been working hard for over 30 years to make home ownership within reach for many. Say yes to property with Adoha. Your dream home is one call away. Your dream home is a few clicks away. Visit our Accra project, The Place, by calling 030-27-89757. He's here, he's here, uncle, uncle. Oi, you man, look at you, all grown up, innit? So good to see you, fam. I miss you so much. So good to be back home, bruv, innit? I can see a lot has changed, mate. Home sweet home, innit? 
sat down and let me serve you something delicious. The food is looking good, fam. Of course. Some things never change. Just like how Gino Tomato Mist still gives my food that rich color and unique natural mm. taste every time. Hey, sister. Pop pon sanwan kasa. Just like I remember. Inquire inquire. Jolof ne die. Jaika. E ye danka sankasa. Ente dwene na ma ukasa na sisa sisiye. Se Gino die. E fie ni fie. This advert is FDA approved. You're still live on Newsnight on Joy 99.7 FM. A few of your messages on our WhatsApp console. Now, many of you are still commenting on the military brutalities in Ashaiman and Sami. In Kumasi says uh, it was completely absurd and inhumane for the military to have acted in such a rumble style and uncivilized manner. Uh, what has happened? What happened in the Shaman? What happened to the Shaman residents is simply wrong. Uh, he says a few more of your comments uh, coming through on this. Another story: Sena in Agonu says a directive by the NDC leadership is a very good idea, endorsing the decision by the NDC to order its members to stay in the house. And another one from Nana on the Spinters Road says. Uh, you, see if the death of Major Mahama uh, had been dealt with well uh, and people punished uh, what happened in Ashaiman wouldn't have happened he believes uh, I want to hear from you too uh, shared with me and I will share it with the rest of the world and uh, I want to return to that story about the reduction in fuel prices or the pumps you may or may not have noticed but tonight the National Petroleum Authority uh, says the reduction that you've seen from 14 CDs 50 pesos that was in February to 13 CDs 80 pesos in March is because of the gold for oil deal listen to the head of economic regulations abbas uh, tasunti at mpa that they are going, moving to the market slowly the bid is that we said we are monitoring their listings from the from both and also who they are supplying the products to we've already spoken to some omc regarding how regarding how their um, price some have confirmed that the price of the g4o is affecting the price we are seeing on the market now you know there were price reductions this you know, there were price reductions this year window. So some have already factored that in the pricing. But as we explained the last time, we have to monitor each company's pricing to be able to see the impact it has. So that monitoring is ongoing in terms of monitoring the volume that each company is lifting. So you would understand that each company's volume are not being met. 100% of each company's volume are not being met by G4O. So to be able to assess the impact it has on their price, we would have to get the data in terms of what percentage we get from G4O and then be able to tell what impact it has on that company's price. Because prices are deregulated and the, and the prices vary from company to company, we cannot come up and give a specific percentage impact on price. So we are doing assessment on a company by company basis. Mm. So the monitoring is ongoing. Mm. There are those who are arguing that the reduction we saw recently at the pumps are as a result of the stable dollar we have and world prices of oil which are falling and not necessarily the good for oil. It's actually a combination of both. Uh, from our analysis, the reduction, the price reductions we expected for this week, based on just the drop price drop on the world market, is less than what we saw. And um, aside that, uh, I think if you compare the exchange rate for the past few, um, for the past few, compared to what was estimated to be used this week, there was a depreciation of the CD. So the price reductions are not just because of the world market drop. The world market drop for petrol was quite minimal, but then we have seen a, a, a huge drop than what we expected from our analysis. 
Kojo Poku is an energy analyst and Joyce is on the line. Hello, Kojo. Hey, how are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. I haven't spoken to you this year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, my brother. It's not a good thing that we are in March and I'll tell you that you've not spoken to me. <laughs> Better late than never, I guess. But t- talk to me. Um, you've had the MPA uh, now saying that uh, the reductions that we've seen over the last uh, couple of months is largely down to the go for oil deal. Yes, we also know international crude prices are also falling. Do you agree with that assessment? Well, no, I don't. Um, I, and I don't think he said that. I don't think Abbas said he was moni- they are monitoring to see if that will be as a result. You see, um, the city has gained some strength. We've always said that there are two main reasons why fuel prices will be down in Ghana and will be because when the fuel price, the petrol, sorry, the dollar to the city, the city gains strength and also when international prices are low. Now, um, what we've seen in this window is that the dollar to the city, um, the city has gained strength so the pricing, the forward rates are backwards instead of basically looking at forward rates going forward. Because normally, remember sometime August last year, we couldn't even benchmark a forward rate. That was when the floor price went from um, 9 and jumped all the way to where we saw it somewhere around 20. Um, the G4O is creating a different dynamics, and I will come to that in a minute. What we have is that we are doing about 340,000 metric tons every month. G4O is only bringing in about, um, I think, 40,000 metric tons every two weeks. There's been three cargoes so far from G4O. And those cargoes have come in around, I think, two weeks intervals. As of last week, beginning of the window, the product that came in for G4O was still at boss, and then the, the ONCs have not yet lifted and started selling. But, um, the, like Abbas said, some of the um, OMCs like Guel have priced in anticipation of what they were going to get for the G4O. But then we noticed that Total, okay, was at 13.80. Guel was at 13.80, which was quite strange. And some of us are asking questions that how come Total, that is not lifting G4O, is at 13.8, and Guel, that has factored in the G4O lifting, is also now at 13.8. The explanation we got is that, well, Guel has some expensive um, fuel, which is not G4O, obviously. Um, like like I said earlier, G4O is only accounting for like maybe 15% of the market. So they are co-mingling the expensive traditional pricing with the G4O pricing. But then we now saw that companies like Goodness, Star Oil, are now doing something around 18 and 12.99. So the question that we are now beginning to ask is that, how is it that there are certain G4O price uh, for coming into boss cheaper than the traditional import b- from the likes of the Vitol BPs and stuff like that? How come Total can match the price of um, the G4O prices? So we are now beginning to now do some, and we've not completed that investigation. But one factor that has come up is that most of the G4O oil is coming through a company called Tasco. The Tasco mostly is lift, is lifting Russian fuel. Now the Russian products are much cheaper than the conventional fuel on the market because of the embargo on Russia. Now we are still doing our investigation to find out. What should be the box if indeed it's true 
that the product coming in from G4O is, the, is from the Tasco and it's Russian um, products. Because what you should find out is that mostly we use to determine the um, prices that we have on the market. Now, if one section of the product is coming in through Platt, Platt is priced at the international benchmark price, but then the Russian uh, products are much cheaper than Platt. Okay, so that I said is an ongoing investigation that um, some of the CSOs we are doing to basically understand what the dynamics is. Is it true that the product coming in is much much cheaper than the plat prices? If that's the case, then we need to engage NPA further to find out that even the thirteen point eight or the thirteen that we are seeing. Okay, so G4O, if it's true that they are bringing in the Litasco product, which is from Russia, then prices in the next window should definitely go near 12 cities or 11. So, so, you're, so you're expecting a further reduction in prices in the next two weeks? Say that again? You expect a further reduction in prices in a couple of weeks? Much, 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 much reduction. Like I said, if the investigation that we are doing and the engagement that we want to do now prove that the products that are coming in it's probably coming from the um, Tasco, which is the Russian crude. Then what is going to happen in the market is that that is going to create some level of um, uh, competition. And some of us, the CSOs, are going to engage MPA and boss further to find out that, look, maybe the true um, value is not being passed on to the Ghanaians. And mm. we need to make sure that that is done. Okay. So, okay, Kojo, thank you very much uh, for uh, giving us that clarity on the issues. We wait to see what uh, you find uh, with your colleagues in the sector. Kojo Poku, the energy analyst, uh, talking to us on G4O. Uh, talking about G4O, G sounds like a goal. And uh, the man who talks a lot about goals, I'm talking about football and general sports goals. He's uh, in the studio with me. Uh, games tonight, but I know you have something else in the headlines. What is it? Well, yes, uh, the games tonight, of course. Uh, Manchester United will be in action later tonight against Real Batiste. The game between Arsenal and Sporting Lisbon currently 1-1 all in the Europa League, of course. <laughs> Just uh, unfortunate for some teams who happen to play on Thursdays. But let's talk a bit about the Black Stars because head coach Chris Eaton is named a 25-man squad for the 2023 African Cup of Nations qualifier against Angola later this month. Remember, Ghana faces Angola in two games in the upcoming international window with a sport at next AFCON up for grabs. The first leg uh, is expected to come on Thursday, March 23rd, with the second leg coming up four days later. Now, in his first call-up, Eaton has called, has included Joseph Pinto, Majida Shimero, Patrick Pozo in his team with Barbara Mann and Abdul Fatah Isahaku missing out on the sports. Jojo Wolokot also returns to the squad alongside Edmond Addo, who all were absentees uh, in Ghana's squad at the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Well, football tactician and analyst uh, Nanajaman believes that Chris Eaton got his call up right. Um, clearly, his influence as technical director or whatever it was. Initially, when Coach Otuada was there, is something that he didn't bring to bear because I didn't see his, his handiwork in anything that went on. Now he's had the opportunity to select his squad. He selected them, and he's, and he's selected players that we were all saying should, that should have been selected in the first place, and they weren't selected, but he selected them. So... It, it, I wouldn't view it as a surprise because we all know that many of those players should have been there. Um, it, but once again, it just gives you a little insight, just a little insight into how he's thinking, 
Ashimiru is there, Painster is there. You know, these are players we felt shouldn't have been dropped, but they're, they're there. I w I'm not going to treat them as surprises because there are a lot of players that play outside that could easily, very easily be called up. So that's uh, Nana Ajiman there. Of course, uh, we understand Chris Eaton himself will be unveiled in Kumasi. Uh, we're not sure how it's going to look like, but uh, obviously we get the opportunity to query him on some absentees. For Tawi Saku, you know, missing out on that squad. Mm. We'll see. His first game, and see how he performs there. Uh, still on Newsnight, he's on Joy 99.7 FM. And uh, tonight there is some fresh data from the Ghana Statistical Service that is making for some very interesting reading, revealing that uh, majority of Ghanaians migrating are now migrating from urban areas and settling in rural communities instead. Uh, the Ghana Statistical Service uh, data shows that there are more than 9 million migrants in Ghana. Majority of them are deciding to leave the urban areas like Accra and go to their villages to settle. Um, that is very interesting indeed. There will be more on myjoyonline.com uh, with the data and details for you to read more on. Just uh, log on and you find the details there. Well, uh, just before we go, uh, we know we're celebrating Ghana month and abroad in Ga language is Abluchi. In Akan, it is Abluchi. In Eva, it is also Abluchi. Well, I didn't know that. But do you know the origin of uh, that particular word, Abluchi or Abluchi? In, in this edition of Ghana Month, Kojo Youngson returned from uh, Fort Frizentine. Fris, uh, uh, well, in Kita, and got some answers. Slavery is a dark stain on Ghana's history. All along the country's coast, European colonizers built forts and castles as trading posts where they could buy slaves from local tribes and ship them off to the Caribbean islands. From where they would never return. Many of these stone edifices are still standing today. But like all historical buildings, the attraction is not the aging structure and the crumbling walls. It's the haunting stories they tell. On today's episode, we bring you perhaps the most haunting of all slave stories. Come with me to Keta in the Volta region, to the last Ghanaian fort on the way to Togo. Welcome to Fort Prinzenstein. Under the care of the Ghana Museums and Monuments Board, Fort Prinzenstein, or what is left of it, receives daily visitors from around the world. But there is something unique about the role this particular fort played in Ghana's sordid slavery story. Evo Akoli knows all about it. When they buy the slaves, the slaves were taken across the Atlantic. And those slaves never come back. You know, people start calling those from outside, they are from Abluchi, meaning Oblo, Ovachi, meaning they have deceived them by taking them there without coming back. Oblo, Ovachi. And that's where the Abluchi came from. Yeah. You see, that, that actually makes more sense. Oblo, Ovachi. Mm. So you deceived us. Mm. And they will never return. Exactly. And that's it for Newsnight tonight. Up next is personality profile with Rosie Finn in conversation with Lexus Bale, who's a country director of Mastercard Foundation. Stay with us. Mm -hmm.